It is great to be with you today. Aren't you guys lucky to have to have a bishop's visitation two years in a row? <laughs> I was here in March last year. I discovered, and here I am again. Um, and to celebrate the Eucharist, break bread together, and break the word of God with you. And on top of it all, celebrate confirmation, reception, and reaffirmation this morning. It's a great day. It's a wonderful and joyful day. Whenever, I, whenever a bishop comes to visit, all the parish priests need to sort of fill out some things. And what's going on in the parish? Sometimes it can be a couple of pages long. <laughs> Sometimes it's just one sentence. In this case, it's just one sentence. Christchurch is bursting at the seams with new members, and there's much to celebrate. Exclamation mark. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you for the wonderful work you have done in this difficult time. In the midst of going around. Thanks to the leaders of the parish, the vestry members, and, and the wardens in the vestry, and other lay leaders, and all of you, all of you, for your commitment to this parish and your faithfulness to Jesus. <coughs> And that's exactly what we're celebrating today. So, celebration is wonderful, and it's one thing. But why are we doing that? Why are we doing what we're doing today? What is the purpose? What is the purpose? And that's the question, I think, that I want to connect to in today's Gospel story. I don't know about you, but um, at some point, especially um, in your high school and college, and later too, I suppose, you wonder about, what, well, what is the purpose of my life? And I did that when I was in high school, and I had an idea. When I was in college, I was a little bit clearer, and I said, okay, I had, I had my life all kind of set out and planned out. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. You know, life, it, life needs a little purpose, right? Otherwise, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not as meaningful. Everyone's life needs purpose to be meaningful. And we do a lot of discerning around that. All throughout life, some of you, I know some of you, had yet another purpose, of new purpose of life, you know, in the, in the midlife. And when you retire, you got to figure out a different purpose of life, right? I mean, we do this all the time. Life invites us to a calling, sense of what is the mission, what is ahead, in order for us to make, live a meaningful life. And that also has to do with identity. It's not just coming something out of blue, and I say, you know, 
you know, if your advisor said, oh, I want to be a world-famous chef and I have no talent for cooking, I had nothing to do with it, it makes no sense. It has to do with who you are. Think about what you're good at, what you enjoy, what you love, what brings you joy. It's all of that wrapped together in the purpose of life, right? Well, today the gospel story is exactly that. Jesus had two significant experiences of reaffirming or affirming his identity and his mission. That's baptism and transfiguration. Because in those two instances, the voice from heaven called him, My Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Those two instances. He probably had an inkling, but hearing that voice affirmed his identity as the Son of God and his mission as the Beloved. It gave him the clarity of his identity and the purpose of his life. That's why he said at the end of this, this story, don't tell anybody after I've, the Son of Man has been risen. That is to say, after I have, I have been crucified and dead and risen, you will understand the mission of what this meaning of all this. The purpose-driven life is very, very important. And what we have here today is not just a fancy kind of, you know, a story. But it begins, remember, after six days after Peter confessed that you are the Son of God, the Messiah. So it is simply really reaffirming that identity, this story. But here, in this vision, Jesus is in the middle, Moses on the right, on, on, one, on one side, and, and um, Elijah on the left. Moses, if you stop to think about it, is the one who gave the first covenant commandments, 12 commandments, the covenant of God. Right? But he also died. He was the, the sort of prototype of, of this, this uh, the prophet, prototype of kind of a messiah for the people of Israel who were, who were under the bondage of slavery in, in Egypt. But he died. Remember? Before he, he, before he, got, to, he got to the promised land. Elijah, on the other hand, he was the prototype of the prophet. He was the first prophet. And what he, he didn't die. At the end, if you know the Elijah story, at the end, he was simply assumed into heaven, riding on a chariot of fire. So the, his, the tradition is that Elijah really never died. He just kind of was assumed into heaven. 
He, he, he went into immortality, uh, he, and he will return. Jesus both died and risen. He, is, he embodies the juxtaposition of mortality and immortality, the human and the divine, the alpha and the omega. He is the fulfillment fulfillment of the law and the prophecy, the Moses and Elijah. He embodies it all. That is the vision that these three disciples saw and witnessed. As life would have it, of course, you cannot stay in the high all the time. Otherwise, it'll just become an escape or an addiction. You got to come down to reality. The descent from the mountain is very, very important in this story because you have this high experience of discovering, oh, my mission. I know what I'm going to do with my life. Oh, gosh, I figured it all out. Well, you have to live it. <laughs> you can't just stay there in that glory and the joy of discovering that. You have to grit it out. You have to get down to the trenches of daily reality and live that out. Disciples had to descend the mountain and discover the glory of God's transformation. Trans Jesus' transfiguration, that, that grace of that glory in the daily life of ministry, in the trenches of, of all the joys and pain and all that stuff. That's how life works. You know, I remember encountering this, um, uh, or looking at this uh, TED talk. Occasionally I do that. And this one person had a talk on, on success. And she had done some surveys and research and studied some successful people. And this is what she discovered. She said talent was the least important thing. You think successful people is talent is all. She said she discovered no. Talent is the least common denominator. Purpose and grit. Purpose and grit. You got a mission, you fail, get up and do it again. No pain, no gain, friends. You got to grit it out. And the disciples had to grit it out. Jesus had to grit it out, get to the Calvary, get, get crucified, and be risen. The point of this story, my friends, for us as followers of Jesus and the disciples like Peter, James, and John, what is your purpose in life as Christians? What do you think is the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church, my friends, is to be the beloved son, the body the body, the community of the beloved, 
we are now the body of Christ. We represent that body, the embodiment of whatever Jesus embodied in our daily life in the world. And if we are, in fact, followers of Jesus, and we are members of the body of Christ, then our mission is very clear. To be the beloved children of God in the world. To witness to that love. Even if you have to grit it out. Even if it comes with pain. Even if it comes with all the challenges in life. That is the purpose of what it means to be the church. Or what it means to be followers of Jesus. Everything else, my friends, I don't want to call it fluff, but everything else is kind of builds on that. You know? If you are not, if you are not clear about that mission, that purpose, then we've lost it all. You can go out into the world, recite your Lord's Prayer and your nice and create from the heart, all left and right, all you want. You can backwards, forwards, you can do it all you want. If they don't see love in you, and you call yourself followers of Jesus, you've lost it. No one's going to take you seriously. No one is going to take the church seriously if church does not represent the beloved of God. That is what the transfiguration story is all about. The dazzling glory of the transfiguration in that moment, uncovers all who we are, the reality of it all, including all the disfigured realities. But by the grace of God, by the love of God, all shall be well. The world will be transfigured because God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, may God bless you today, especially those who have been confirmed and received and reaffirmed so that you may indeed live into what it means to be the beloved child of God, each of you. And each of you, may you be blessed, richly, richly blessed by the life-changing power of love of Jesus Christ who died for us 
and rose again, that we may have life for no other reason, no other reason than love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.